Okay, before the break, we again reviewed the main message that we've been dealing with in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. We said there are several gifts the Holy Spirit gave uh, for the benefit of the church. So we indicated that we had considered eight of the gifts, which brings us to the uh, ninth gift. And we spent some time uh, referencing the eighth gift, which is the gift of speaking in tongues, as that special ability that God gives, uh, the, God the Holy Spirit gives the individual to speak a language the individual has never known that may or may not be known by hearers. Now because hearers may not understand what they hear, then the gift or the ninth gift of interpretation becomes important. Now we, we know that without this gift of interpretation of tongues, that such exercise will, be, will not be beneficial to the church. It's for this reason that the apostle restricts its use in a local church if there is no interpreter of tongues. Now, so we considered in, in the ninth chapter, I mean ninth uh, gift, verse 11, we began to consider that phrase where it says, to steal another, to steal another. Again, to state that not all possess every gift, but some have some and others have another. However, but that, that does not mean that a believer may not have more than one spiritual gift. So we illustrated with Apostle Paul to indicate that you can have more than one spiritual gift. So the uh, gift that we mentioned for the Apostle Paul included uh, gifts of healing, miracle, uh, gifts of prophecy, gifts of speaking in tongues. But then we argue that somebody may say, well, you're talking about an apostle. So we say, okay, let's look at another person. So we took uh, Philip as an example. So using Philip, we indicated that he had at least three spiritual gifts. Gift of evangelism, gift of miracles, gift of healing. Then we went through, because of uh, what we said about Philip, that some people may argue that he how can we be sure that the Philip we are talking about is not an apostle. And I went through to demonstrate that he could not be an apostle. Because when the church refused to obey the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ to spread out and give, go and give, start giving out the gospel, they stayed within themselves, he brought persecution. And when that persecution occurred, all by the apostles remained in Jerusalem. The rest of them scattered. And that showed that they couldn't have been, uh, Philip could not have been uh, the, the apostle of Jesus Christ, rather the one with uh, gift of evangelism or one of the seven that uh, was appointed to be the what we may call early deacons of the church. Anyway, the apostle began verse 11 as we stated by being emphatic when he said all these 
So we say that that phrase, all this in verse 11, refer to the spiritual gifts mentioned from verses 8 through 10. And the apostle also was concerned with making the issue that the gifts come from God. Now we, although we have the Holy Spirit here, but we use the word God. And we will justify uh, our use of the word God instead of the word Spirit later on in this uh, study before we end this, uh, this morning. Now, so, we indicated that it is in the, it shouldn't surprise you that the Holy Spirit is the one that who executes or carries out the various demonstrations of the spiritual gifts. Now, this is because the scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is the member of the tree and God that executes and sustains what God the Father has planned as well as complete what the Son Jesus Christ began to do while he was on this planet. And we, we began to uh, show that the Holy Spirit, yes, is involved in uh, all the activities the other members of the Godhead are involved in a way, but that he has some specific uh, function that we'll get to uh, later. But for now, we begin to show how he is involved in executing of God's plan. For example, in creation, he was involved. As we quoted Psalm 104, verse 30, and that's where we begin at the second session. Psalm 104, verse 30. Psalm 104, verse 30. It is, when you send your spirits, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. They are created. You see that? They are created. That's dealing with creation. And that's, you say, the Holy Spirit did that. Yet we know Jesus Christ is the creator. We also know the Father is the creator. Anyway, the Lord Jesus conveyed this truth about the Holy Spirit, continuing his work in the promise of his coming to be with the disciples and so with the church. As we read in John chapter 14, verse 26. So we know that the Holy Spirit is continuing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26 reads, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he has a function. We teach them all things. That means he'll be teaching them some things Christ didn't teach. And that's why we have our scripture anyway. So let me justify my assertion, though, regarding the Holy Spirit executing or continuing the work of God, the Father, and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, our salvation was accomplished on the cross when the Lord Jesus died for our sins, but the execution of that salvation 
So that an unbeliever is given new life is the work of the Holy Spirit. Christ paid for our sins, no doubt. But to execute that, the Holy Spirit does that because he's the one that gives life. This, the Lord Jesus stated this fact in his interaction with Nicodemus after uh, Nicodemus had come to him. Well, he told him what is recorded in John chapter 3 verse 8. John chapter 3 verse 8. John chapter 3 verse 8 reads, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear a sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So here is indicating regeneration is work of the Spirit. Anyway, to be born of the Spirit is simply to be regenerated. Now that aside, they are being born again, or rebirth, is the work of the Holy Spirit is implied by Apostle Paul in Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. It is, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rivers and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, responsible for rivers. Now, God's plan is for us to be sanctified, both in the sense of being dedicated to Him and of being in moral purity. Now, the Holy Spirit carries this out, as Apostle Paul had already conveyed in his epi- this epistle to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. First Corinthians chapter six verse eleven. It says And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, Holy Spirit is involved in our sanctification. Now, no doubt then that God's plan is for us to exhibit the character of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, while He was on this planet. Now, we could not do this, but the Holy Spirit, when He controls us, produces the character of Christ in us. And that character is part of what is being described as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, Verses 22 and 23. Galatians 
chapter 5 verses 22 and 23. It reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now all this will come through when the Holy Spirit controls us. So you get the idea then that the Holy Spirit executes the plan of God. Therefore, you should not be surprised that I stated that he is responsible for execution of spiritual gifts given to believers. Now bear in mind that he is the one that provides the power to witness for Christ. As the Lord Jesus himself indicated before returning to heaven in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It is, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit supplies the power. Now it's not only that the Holy Spirit supplies the power to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ, but we know that he is the one that brings miracles through believers. As Apostle Paul uh, testified in what he wrote in Romans chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. Romans chapter 15 Verses 18 and 19. Romans chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. He says, I will not venture to speak of Anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. Look at the next thing. By the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So you see, miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Elucum. I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Now that phrase in verse 19, by the power of signs and miracles through uh, the power of the Spirit, indicates then that the Holy Spirit is the one that enabled the apostle in his ministry of, uh, of preaching the word, as well as the various miracles that he performed as he went about his in his ministry, in different places, that he preached the gospel. So, the Holy Spirit executes. Now, we have demonstrated uh, briefly then that the Holy Spirit executes the spiritual gifts given to believers. Now, we say this because of the sentence we are considering. Go back where we started in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. 
Now literally the Greek reads, the one and the same spirit produces all these things. Now this is because the verbal phrase are the work of is really how the translators of the NIV translated a Greek verb that may mean to produce as the word is used by Apostle Paul in his epistle to the Corinthians to convey that comfort comes by endurance or that comfort produces the ability to endure suffering according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse I mean chapter 1 verse 6 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 6 So we're going to see that the Greek word uh, that we are looking at the word that means uh, that's translated work of in the NIV is really can mean the word produce. So here it says, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Now the Greek word may mean to work, as Apostle Paul then used our word to convey that God performed some miracles among uh, the Galatians, as we read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5 reads Does God give you His spirit And work That's a Greek word And work miracles among you Because you observe the law Or because you believe what you heard Now the Greek word may also mean to act To act that is to cause something to be, as the word is used to indicate that God acts in believers to cause them both to will and to act according to his good purpose, as we read in Philippians 2 verse 13. Now, the thing that, as I mentioned in the first half, is that we get this idea clearly in our mind. There's nothing about us that's from us. It's all God's doing. And what that means is it keeps you from becoming, you know, have your head bloated, that's being arrogant and all that. Everything about us, your spiritual success, is from Him. This is what is implied here, because it says, Philippians 2 verse 13 reads, For it is God who works in you to will and to act. That's our Greek word though. According to his good purpose. So, you advance in spirituality. That's great. And you should. But keep in mind, it's because of what God is doing in you. Not you. When we lose sight of this, that's when we get into trouble. We start becoming arrogant and all that. 
If you just recognize everything about you is from God. I, I mean, put it in any area you can. You want to measure yourself with or where you see yourself excelling, whatever it is, don't forget that fact that God is the one doing that for you. But here it says, He is the one that's willing, asking us to will and to do His will. So that you desire, for example, to grow spiritually. Who produced that? He did. Whatever it is, just so we all, the key thing is that we come to recognize, as I made in the introduction of, of our today's study, that it is not all about us. It's all about Him. That we think about His glory. Sure, when we glorify Him, we are benefited. But it's not about us. And that's what I say. That's why I say Christianity has degenerated where we think it's all about us. No, it's not all about. It's all about God. We are the beneficiaries. So whenever you do, like studying the word, you think your objective is to know how God wants himself to be glorified. And it turns out, if you do that, you get blessed. But that's not the primary thing. The primary thing is God's glory. So if we understand this, then that keeps us from being arrogant. We become humble. And what also it does for us is to be very sympathetic to those who are not as they should be spiritually. You become very compassionate towards them. You want them to be, I mean, there's no, if it's a family member, sure. You want your family member to be in the same way you are spiritually. You want them to grow and enjoy God's blessing. Yes. But if they're not doing that, be patient with them. Just know that yours is from God. And so you keep praying for the Lord to act on them somewhere, somehow to open their eyes to see. Anyway, the Greek verb, as we stated previously, is related to a Greek noun that means a working or an activity. That aside, in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12, 11, the sense of the Greek verb is to implement, to implement, that is to cause, to function, or to carry into effect. Now, this being the case, our assertion that the Holy Spirit executes the spiritual gifts believers receive is indeed correct since the apostle wrote, in the passage we are studying 1 Corinthians 12, 11, say, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, or literally, the one and the same spirit produces all these things. So we are saying that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts, but he does not end at that. Before any spiritual gifts could function, the Holy Spirit must execute it. You have the gift, but it's not going to function until the Holy Spirit executes it. So the implication of this is that a person's spiritual gift will not function properly when the person is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. For example, a person with the gift of faith will not exercise that gift if the individual is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now that's one of the reasons I mentioned uh, previously that you don't really need to know particularly your gift, whatever gift that you have. Except, of course, if you have the gift that requires you to go and prepare, which is the gift of teaching. 
So you can be a pastor or whatever. But that's it. The other gifts you don't really have to. All you need to know is grow spiritually, learn the word, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. He will execute them at the right time. And the blessings and reward for those gifts, you'll get them in heaven. So, if you know them, that's great. If you don't know, it doesn't matter. What you should know is just, I have a gift. What they, they I may or may not know, but I have a spiritual gift. How they function, if I'm controlled by the Spirit, they will function. And that's what you need to know. So, in any case, we should observe then that this is the fourth time, though, the apostle used the phrase, the same Spirit. This is the first, fourth time. Now, the first usage of the phrase by the apostle is after he asserted that there are diverse spiritual gifts. In the passage we are starting in 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 4. That's the first time we see that used. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, the second usage of that phrase, the same spirit, is after mentioning the gifts of wisdom and knowledge as they pertain to God's word or message in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 reads, To one, there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. That's it. That's the second time. The third usage of the same phrase by the Spirit is mentioned right after the gift of faith. Look at verse 12. I mean verse 9 of the same chapter 12. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, To another faith, then it says, by the same Spirit. To another gift of healing by the, that one Spirit. Now the fourth then usage of the, of the phrase by uh, uh, the same spirit is when the apostle sums up what he has been teaching about spiritual gifts in the passage that we're studying, that is 1 Corinthians 12 11. So it seems that the apostle wants to impress on us the hearers the significance of that phrase. Not only he said the same spirit, he keeps repeating you know, four times. Now the phrase, no doubt, is for curbing any kind of arrogance, either in form of feeling superior or feeling inferior because of one's spiritual gift. Now, that's uh, some people may know that arrogance is not always when you feel superior, you can be arrogant feeling inferior. See, either way, what you're doing is you are either sitting yourself above what God has done, or you are undervaluing what God has done. Same thing. God wants you to just have the right standard or right view about what He's doing in your life. Don't exaggerate yourself. Don't undervalue yourself either. In other words, don't say you are nothing, or or think you are so much that you don't need to be with the rest of us on this planet anyway. So that's the thing that we believe that he keeps using this phrase to curb any kind of arrogance. Anyway, regardless of the nature of a person's spiritual gift, that individual must recognize that a person's spiritual 
gift comes from the same source as that of the other individual whose gift may be the reason for feeling inferior or superior to another believer. So, in some cases, you may not even not know what the other person's gift is. It still doesn't matter. Don't feel inferior or superior. Just know he or she, a fellow believer, has their own gift. Whatever their gift is, you won't function under it, and they should function under theirs. So anyway, the apostle's point then is that it is the same spirit that produces the manifestation of spiritual gifts that he listed. And so there's no room for feeling superior or inferior to other believers because of one's spiritual gift. No one is deserving of any spiritual gifts, so no one should boast of a spiritual gift as if it is something meritorious when it is not. Everything from God as a gift to us, we don't deserve it. Anyone who thinks otherwise doesn't know himself or herself and doesn't know a thing about God because we deserve nothing. If we really know who we are, it is all the goodness that He's shown by His grace that you are what you are. Now, we previously stated that Apostle Paul intended to convey that God is a source of spiritual gifts. Whereas the apostle used the phrase in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, we're looking at, he said, the same spirit, but we said it's God. That's why I said we'll come back and justify that. Now we use the word God for two reasons. First, to convey that the, uh, that apostle Paul indirectly stated that the Holy Spirit is God. That's his indirect way of saying that. Now, the Holy Spirit is God, but he is God is established in the scripture. For example, Apostle Peter conveyed this truth of the Holy Spirit being God when he confronted Ananias about lying or acting deceptively regarding his gift to the church. As we read in Acts chapter 5, Verses 3 and 4. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Again, this is what you do always with doctrine. So we keep going over some truth over and over, and the Holy Spirit gives it over and over to sink in because it's not easy. And that, uh, you, if you're honest with yourself, you can you can testify to the fact that uh, you listen to the Word of God before you get off here and you get out there, you've forgotten everything you had. But if you went to a concert and you laughed your head off, you, on your way home you still keep remembering why you're laughing. Because the enemy knows that will not do you any good. When in time of trouble or distress, it's not going to do you. Just laughter is not going to carry you. But the thing that will carry you is the one he wants to suppress. So don't, don't remember it. So we keep seeing these doctrines repeated and repeated. Anyway, here it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Then Peter said, 
Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you receive for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. See, in verse 3, look at the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter said, You have lied to the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 4, he, he repeated the same, but this time he said, You have not lied to men, but to God. So the two declarations in these two verses then, leaves one no doubt or no other conclusion but the Holy Spirit is God although Apostle Peter did not directly state that fact but that is what he meant so Apostle Paul also indirectly stated that the Holy Spirit is God through what he wrote earlier to the, uh, to the Corinthians he informed them that they are God's temple, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. First Corinthians 3, verse 16. As you're going into this, uh, here is the thing I, I mean, I keep, the reason I keep repeating myself is to encourage you to remain focused when we're studying doctrines. Because without these things, we start losing this ability of actually concentrating and, and remembering things and being able to be analytical in our thinking. You have to be sharpening your mind. I was just talking uh, with uh, one of our members to show you an example of how when you stop using this mind, training, things start getting awful. And I gave an example I had. They were interviewing high school uh, kids. And the interviewer, I think he must have been saying, what's eight times eight? He reached out for the calculator. I said, what? They say, because every now, all you want is calculator, everything. I don't know what happened. I mean, uh, my second grade, that's when I learned it all from 2 to 12. Memorize everything in second grade. But now, we're getting further and further away lazy. So that we're not developing that mind. That somebody, you know, can say 8 times 8 and you're looking for calculator. So this is the thing that it has, it has affected Christianity so badly. Because we are not being challenged to think through, sit and think through these things. We are not capable of putting thoughts coherently so that we can listen to people and know when they are full of hot air. Because if you are not capable of doing that, you can't know that. And this is one of the things that you do by using the scripture to think, to cause you to develop that ability to keep reasoning. So that's what we're doing here. So, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, Don't you know that yourself, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Well, 
Later, in the same epistle, the apostle stated that the body of the Corinthians is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. First Corinthians six verse nineteen. First Corinthians chapter six uh, chapter six verse nineteen reads Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Now here is the thing if the Corinthians are the temple of God and the temple of the Holy Spirit, there is only one conclusion one can reach, which is that Holy Spirit is God. Can you look at those two passages? There's no other conclusion you can reach. Because one time the temple is associated with God. The next time the temple is associated with the Holy Spirit, still is the body of believers. So, again, that's the thing. It is in this indirect communication then, of the fact that the Holy Spirit is God that the Apostle did when he wrote then, the passage was starting in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, when he said, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. Now the phrase, all these, as we noted previously, is a reference to the spiritual gifts and their execution. But then, the Apostle makes similar statements in the passage that we started previously, you don't need to uh, write it down, but just listen again. It's First Corinthians 12, 6, where it says, There are different kinds of walking, but the same God walks all of them in all men. Now he said, The same God walks all of them in all men. Now that's essentially the same thing as saying, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. In this verse 11. I mean, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, same thing. Therefore, the apostle indirectly stated that the Holy Spirit is God. The reason I'm making this is, some of us have this notion, I don't know where you get it though, that unless you see this, the same exact word in the Bible, it cannot be what you think it is. I see, those people who have been saying the Holy Spirit is not God, they are looking for a particular passage that says, the Holy Spirit is God. There are ways you can say things without saying it directly. And these are things that, in some of those things that you learn, for example, as a manager, or dealing with people. There are ways you can say certain things. You may not say it directly, but you get the point. And there are times where you have to do that directly. It all depends on what the situation is. But the Holy Spirit through these apostles many times led them, they didn't really come out and say, Jesus is God. Except one place that, in actually two places where that is clearer. But, they will make statements that you should piece together to make you know what they have thought is true. And so if you look for, uh, show me where it says that exactly, you're not going to find that. That's what you are supposed to do piece things together. And that's what we're trying to do here is to piece these things together in order to recognize what the apostle uh, is saying. Because he says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. Which is the same thing 
as God works all of them in all uh, men. Same thing. That he talked about different gifts. Anyway, therefore, again, all I'm saying is the apostle indirectly stated that the Holy Spirit is God. That's one, the first reason why we use the word God instead of Spirit in our passage, in our explanation. Secondly, we use the word God in our interpretation of verse 11 to recognize that although the Holy Spirit is the one that is primarily associated with spiritual gifts, he is not the only member of the Godhead associated with spiritual gifts. The Lord Jesus Christ also stated, and we know from the scripture that he also gives spiritual gifts. As in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verses, through, uh, verses 7 through 11. All we are trying to establish is, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ also gives spiritual gifts. He says, verse 7 of uh, Ephesians chapter 4 reads, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why he says, when he ascended on high, that's Christ, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What kind of gifts? Spiritual gifts. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole uh, universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now it is true that Ephesians 4 verse 11 is concerned with offices, offices. But one cannot occupy an office listed without the spiritual gift associated with the office. For example, a person cannot be a prophet without the gift of prophecy. Now take another example. A person could not truly occupy the office of a teacher or a pastor in the church of Christ without the spiritual gift of teaching. Now we have, when we studied this in the past, I did make the point. A person can be a teacher because they have the gift of teaching, but not be a pastor. But a pastor must have the gift of teaching and be, have also the gift of shepherding. So those are both involved in being a pastor. So anyway, the passage of Ephesians that we uh, cited indicates that Jesus Christ gave spiritual gifts to the church. Therefore, it is not wrong then to say that God is the source of spiritual gifts, although in 1 Corinthians it is primarily the Holy Spirit that the apostles associated with spiritual gifts and their manifestations. So you cannot see why I use the word God and not the Holy Spirit to cover 
to be uh, consistent with the scripture. Anyway, in any case, we contend then that God is not only the source of spiritual gifts, but He determines who He gives it and when to do so. This we say because of the last clause of where we're starting, First Corinthians twelve eleven, because it says, "And He gives them to each one." Just as he determines. Now literally the Greek reads. Distributing. Individually to each one. Just as he wills. Now the word gifts. Of the NIV is translated from a, uh, a Greek word. That means to divide and distribute. To persons on the basis of certain implied. Uh, distinctions or differences. As the word is used in the request of the prodigal son to his father regarding receiving his own uh, portion of inheritance, as we read in Luke chapter 15, verse 12. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. He reads, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12, 11, the Greek word has a sense of a portion or distribute. That is to distribute according to a plan or a set or set apart for a special purpose. Now the Greek actually used a present tense, implying that the action of distribution or distributing spiritual gifts by God is one that is ongoing. Ongoing. Now it's what we say, it has not stopped. Because we have a present tense, it's an ongoing thing. So, this we can understand since individuals are continually being saved. So, when a person is saved, God gives the individ- that individual spiritual gifts. So, it makes sense that the apostle used a present tense to indicate that the action of distributing Spiritual function has not ceased, in spite of what some try to say. Now, by the way, the idea of apportioning or distributing spiritual gifts uh, here in First uh, Corinthians twelve eleven is similar to what we said about the Lord Jesus Christ distributing spiritual gifts through a Greek word. I mean, although you know a different Greek word is used, but that's the same thing. Expressed in the passage I cited before, don't need to look at it again. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 7, when it talks about uh, Christ apportioning it, the same Greek word, uh, the same concept, a different Greek word. Now, that aside, the Holy Spirit conveys them that every believer receives at least then one spiritual gift from God, as implied in the passage we're studying of 1 Corinthians 12 11. When he said, to each 
one to each one. Now the word one here is translated from a Greek word that may mean one's own, one's own. As it is used in describing the situation in the early church when no one laid claim to his property as we read in Acts chapter 4 verse 32. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. Reads, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. That's our Greek word, idios, idios. But they shared everything they had. Now the Greek word, idios, may mean unique, unique. Or something that is distinctive about something or about some person. As it is used for the fruit of a tree. As in Luke chapter 6 verse 44. Luke chapter 6 verse 44 Luke chapter 6 verse 44 reads Each tree is recognized by its own fruit People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. So, own here is, is unique. It means unique. It's unique fruit. Now, although the Greek word is translated own in this passage, but again, fruit is that which is distinctive or unique to a given tree. Something unique to a given tree. Now, in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12, 11, the word is used in the sense of particular, particular. That is, unique or specific to a person. So the implication is this, that the Lord gives every believer a spiritual gift. That is unique to the individual, although others have the same gift. But it is tailored. To each individual to function under such gift. In other words, you may have the same gift of health, but yours will be unique to you. Or the gift of administration, yours will be uh, unique to you. Or the gift of leadership, it will be unique to you. Or the gift of teaching, it will still be unique. That's why no two pastors are the same. No matter what people try to make it, no two pastors are the same. And they will never be. Because God has in His mind, in his plan, has given each according to what he has, as we're looking in this passage. Anyway, the apportioning or distributing of spiritual gifts then is God's sovereign decision alone. In other words, I cannot plead and plead and, and tell him, give me this gift and he'll give it to me. No. That when it comes to the spiritual gift, 
It is his sovereign decision. So, it is this fact that uh, we should uh, understand that he alone does that. He, gives the dec- uh, he makes the decision himself. So, in effect, we have nothing to do with any spiritual gift that we have. It is this fact then that is expressed in the last clause of First Corinthians 12, verse 11 that we're studying when it says, just as he determines. Just as he determines. Now, by strict interpretation, the pronoun he here refers to the Holy Spirit. That's by strict interpretation. But because we have indicated that he is God, then we can say that the pronoun refers to God. Which specific focus in this passage on the Holy Spirit. Now the word determines is translated from a Greek word that may mean to plan, to intend or to will. As Apostle Paul used it to describe his intent to visit the Corinthians as stated in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 15. Second Corinthians chapter one verse fifteen. Second Corinthians chapter one verse fifteen reads said because I was confident of this, I planned that's our the Greek word Bolo Omea. Yes, I planned to visit you first so that you may uh, you might be uh, might benefit twice. Anyway, the word may mean something like to desire or to want. As in the desire of the Holy Spirit expressed through the apostle regarding intercessory prayer. In other words, it is God's will for you to be involved in intercessory prayer, praying for other people, according to First Timothy chapter two verse eight. First Timothy chapter two verse eight. It is, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. And he goes on to say, does he pray for? It is God's will that we be involved in intercessory prayer for all people. Now, though in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12, 11, the Greek word has a sense of the desire or to intend. Hence, it is not a person's desire or wish that determines the spiritual gift the person receives. It is the determination of the sovereign God 
He determines what role each believer is to play in the church of Christ. Whatever role that you are supposed to play, that's already decided. And he gave you gifts so you can do that. That's my point. So, again, he determines what role each believer is to play in the church of Christ. That's what he determines. Everyone here sitting who is a believer, you have a role to play in the church of Christ. There's not one person here who is a believer now that does not have a role to play. Whether you do play it or not, depends on whether the Holy Spirit controls you. Whether you are learning truth so you can grow. But you can be assured that you have a role. So don't let anyone look down upon you and think, oh well, you're just nothing. No, you're nothing. When it comes to the plan of God, you are exactly what God wants you to be. And so you are required to play a role. Now, so in order to do that, he gave, uh, God gives each believer the spiritual gift suitable for that individual to fulfill that function. That he will do. So anyway, let me end up by reminding you once more of the message of 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verses 7 through 11, which is that there are several spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gave uh, for the benefit of the church. So, you have a spiritual gift that functions under the right condition for the benefit of the church you belong, the local church you belong. So what that says is get, get, get serious with learning the word and being controlled by the Holy Spirit so that whatever gift that God has given you to function in, the, in his church that you may carry it out and in that way you'll be rewarded in heaven whereas those of us on this planet you will benefit the local church in which you belong. So that is the challenge and that's why we have looked at this spiritual gifts. Bearing in mind now, we only saw nine. But I mentioned a whole lot of others that they are not reported in this particular session. But I only want to leave you with that thought. You have at least one spiritual gift. So, ask the Lord to give you the ability to remain under the control of the Spirit so you can exercise your spiritual gift. Let's pray. As we end our study this morning, there may be someone here or someone listening over the internet. You have heard me say about having a spiritual gift. Well, if you are not saved, you don't have one yet. But that can change if you're saved. How, you may ask? Well, first of all, you have to remember it's an act of love that God has for you that you are hearing what you're hearing. God loves you so much. He didn't want you to wind up in the lake of fire called hell that he uh, so designed for punishment of all those who reject him. So, he sent his son Jesus Christ who left heaven with all his glories and beauty to come to this world stinking with sin 
to live among sinful people like you are, uh, you and me. And he went through doing teaching truth, performing miracles, demonstrating that he is the Son of God. Yet they rejected him. They wouldn't accept him. He continued, knowing that he has one goal. He came here to save you and me. So after he finished all his assignment, it was time for him to return to heaven. So he, that's why he, they came and arrested him. Because when they came to arrest him, he asked them, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And once he said that, they hid the ground. Because God spoke. But he gave them permission to arrest him. And they took him and made a mock trial. And eventually condemned him to death. By way of crucifying him. So they handed him over to the Romans. Soldiers who, who were skilled in the art of torture. And they tortured the Son of God in ways that you cannot imagine. Beside the beating that they uh, did, smacking him, but they had a, that whip that they used with spikes on them so that when they hit somebody, they can draw a cotton through the person's body, flesh. So there will be pain and pain of un- untold uh, proportion. Yet, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He didn't open up His mouth. He didn't complain, according to the Scripture. So He was laid to Golgotha, where He was nailed, actually first put on the cross on the ground. They tied Him up and nailed Him. And each time they nailed Him, was for my sin and your sin. And eventually they lifted that up, sunk it to the ground, with all the pain that he endured. He still didn't say a word and even complain until the last three hours when he actually was being charged for your sins and my sins. And that was so unbearable that he let out that cry, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken that you may brought in. He was forsaken that you may have life so that you can spend eternity with God forever. How? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Or are you going to believe? Again, the Bible says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Believing in Him, you have life through His name. If you believe that He is one who came, died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day, you receive eternal life. And you will spend eternity with him. Now, this is the day to do that. Don't say, I'll do that later, because you are not guaranteed the next moment. This is your time to believe in him and escape God's coming judgment. I have a father, we are thankful for the study of your word. We pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will continue to challenge us to understand that we at least have one spiritual gift and seek to be controlled by the Spirit so that we can function under that gift. This is a request in Christ's name. Amen.